Paul is very much a, an advocate of Christian liberty and the fact that we're no longer under law, but we are under grace. In fact, he begins this chapter with a wonderful verse where he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so, again, Paul loves the topic. Uh, he writes on it quite often of Christian liberty. But he also balances that with uh, not, uh, not uh, abusing uh, liberty. And so as we get down to verse number 13, we kind of see his uh, balance of this discussion. As he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And uh, just because we have liberty, we're not under the law anymore does not mean that we can go out here and just live after the flesh and live the way that we want to. Uh, But he says, but in love, serve uh, one another. Uh, This wonderful uh, chapter, this uh, area that he's writing to the Galatians about, uh, deals with the fruit of the Spirit. As we get down to the end of the chapter in verse number 22, he talks about fruit that's to be born in a Christian's life. And we've talked a lot about this before in the past, and so I'm not going to re-preach it other than to just remind us of this, that uh, when a tree bears fruit, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, make a concerted or a conscious effort to try to bear the fruit. The fruit is a natural thing that happens in a tree as it strengthens itself by getting the nourishment that, and the sunlight that it needs. And I think sometimes in our Christian lives, we, we, when we talk about bearing fruit, we think that this is something that we have to work and labor at trying to do. And the truth is, uh, the fruit that is to be born in us is something that ought to be a byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And the, the more we are yielded to, the more we are uh, 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 sensitive to His guidance and direction in our lives, I believe the more fruitful we are as Christians both in the character that we should have, which Paul deals with here, and in uh, seeing people saved and opportunities that have come our way. In the middle of all of this, he begins to teach some things to uh, the church at Galatia. And I want us to understand the background of this in that uh, uh, Paul is not here speaking to lost people. He's not speaking to folks who have not trusted Christ as their Savior. And it's important for us to note this, because I think sometimes we think that when Paul uh, speaks correctively in Scripture, uh, that he's referring not to to us. I mean, that wouldn't apply to us. That applies to them over there. But the truth is, what he's dealing with here was obviously an issue or a problem in the church. And I would say this, that oftentimes uh, we get blinded to some things in our own lives and are in need sometimes to be reminded from Scripture that there are some things we've got to be very, very careful of in our lives, things we've got to watch for, things we've got to make sure that we don't have a problem with. And so he begins, if you will, look with me in verse number 16. Let's, um, you know, let's go to verse number, uh, uh, let's go to verse 14 for a minute because we'll see what the problem was and then we'll see, uh, or what the symptom was, and then we'll see what Paul says the problem was. In verse 14, he says, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And so there were some people in in the church at Galatia that were at odds uh, with each other. They were were bickering, fighting, backbiting. And uh, so Paul encourages them, as he gets to verse number 16, 
He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I've preached on this passage before, but I want us to look at some things uh, closely here this afternoon. Because we have two uh, issues that are at stake here. We have walking in the Spirit, and we have the lust of the flesh. And the two the Bible teaches us very clearly are opposed one to the other. They're at enmity. They do not mix I think one of the great travesties of the day that we live in is so many Christians and so many churches trying to take the Spirit of God and mix it with the, the lust of the flesh and the things of this world and saying that they ought to be uh, cohabitating, so they ought to be uh, together and working together, and uh, that if we can have a little bit of the Spirit and a little bit of the world, then everybody will be happy. And uh, the truth is, the Bible says that this is something that cannot happen. They are, they are at enmity with each other. They're constantly pulling against each other. This is the battle that we as God's people face. We talk about spiritual warfare. And I was talking to Natasha just a little bit ago uh, about spiritual warfare. And sometimes um, we have these, these uh, battles that we face spiritually. And there's no doubt that that absolutely happens. And it is a tug between the Spirit of God doing a work in our lives and the old nature, the old flesh nature, uh, trying to be in opposition to that. And so Paul says this. There was the problem that was happening there in Galatia. And he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he goes on to say this. I want us to look very closely at the next couple of verses. Uh, by way of instruction, uh, the Bible says that the Word of God is good for doctrine and that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Sometimes we need to be reproved, and some of this may reprove us today for correction and for instruction in righteousness. How should we be living? Uh, I think very, very important. So what we find here as we get to verse number 17, Paul gives some very practical things uh, that we can kind of sink our teeth into and say these are some things that, uh, that we ought to be careful of in the area of the flesh. And uh, so he mentions this in verse 17, "...for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit." And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh. So let's see what Paul is saying is the warring against the Spirit. What is it that draws us from walking in the Spirit? Let's take a look at these things. He begins in verse number 19 with uh, adultery. Now, you're going to find in verse 19, there's going to be four words that are given. All of them are dealing with immorality in a sexual sense or in an uh, immoral sense, a physical relationship type of a sense. Fornication is the second one in the list. I'm going to start with it for a second and make mention of the fact that fornication is a, uh, almost an umbrella word of immorality in that it is encompassing of all types of sexual immorality or that, uh, things of that nature. When we talk about the word adultery, we're being a little bit more specific in the sense that this is a sin that is uh, committed by those that are under the bonds of marriage. Uh, they are uh, married to a spouse, and so they uh, sin against uh, that bond. And so we find here that there are four things that Paul gives. It's interesting to me that he's going to give some other things. But the very top of the list, and the fact that he gives four distinct words, all pertaining to roughly the same general uh, area of our lives, causes me to think that this is a primary issue in a lot of Christians' lives, the issue of purity in our lives. 
Uh, we live in a day where, to be real frank with you, uh, we are bombarded every day in our eyes and in our ears with the immorality and the lust of this world. And as God's people, oftentimes we don't think uh, to talk about it much. It's one of those things that we just try to uh, push to the back burner because it's one of those things we don't even want it to be associated with us. But the truth is we are living in a world where Satan is uh, throwing these issues at Christians in ways that, and in means that are so so great that if we are not careful, if we're not on guard for some of these things, we will fall into these things. And we'll, I say fall in. I was listening to a preacher a while back teaching on some issues about falling into sin. He says no Christian ever falls into sin. Uh, the truth is we choose willingly to go into it. But uh, there are times that we, we call them moments of weakness, perhaps, and that we may use that as a justification why we fell into the sin. But the truth is, uh, we got to a place where we wanted our will done rather than God's will. We wanted the lust of the flesh to have control rather than to have uh, the Spirit. It's interesting to me as I've read the story of Moses, uh, what a wonderful thing it says in uh, he, the book of Hebrews. Uh, it talks about the fact that he was uh, willing to suffer uh, with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And can I encourage you in this? I was a youth pastor for a lot of years and taught young people. Uh, Satan makes sin fun. There's no doubt about it. He makes sin fun, but only for a season. Sin will always cost a lot more than the fun was worth. It will always take us a lot further than we ever want to go. Uh, I am amazed how many times I was talking to somebody recently in the last year, uh, last 12 months, over uh, 1,500 preachers have left the pulpits of churches around the United States of America. And that's in the United States of America alone, over 1,500 of them. I don't know all of the reasons behind all of them, but I know that most of them will not go back into the ministry again. Some of them, perhaps because of uh, just being burned out, uh, I certainly understand and know that that can happen. I've been through some of that in my own life personally, that there are times that your tank just gets empty, it seems like, and you just don't have any more energy left to give. But a lot of it is because they have done something in their lives that have caused them to be disqualified from ministry. Now, can I encourage us in something here? And I, I'm not, I, I will tell you this. Uh, pastors, and I, Brother Harold and I joke sometimes a little bit about this, uh, God does not give a special dispensation to pastors to where they are immune to the temptations of Satan. Uh, the clergy is not above the laity in this battle. Everything, every man, every woman has to battle these things at the same point. We're all men, we're all women, and we will all stand before God individually and give an account of our own lives. And I will tell you this, if there are men of God whose, whose whole purpose and time and life is dedicated to studying, reading the book, walking with God, praying, if those men are susceptible, as susceptible to especially sins of immorality as we see rampant in our society today, then you can rest assured it could happen to any, any one of us. So Paul deals with this and he says, listen, uh, there's some things going on here that are causing you to walk after the lust of the flesh. And the first four that he gives, the top of the list, and four distinct ones he gives deal with our, our spiritual or our physical purity. He deals with adultery, 
He deals with fornication. He deals with uncleanness. Again, dealing with sexual sins, things that are depraved of a depraved nature. And by the way, can I tell you this? Uh, there, the Bible says that uh, in the days of Noah, that every imagination of their hearts were only evil continually. We're living in a day where those those types of things are are here again. And the Bible tells us. That as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I'm not surprised at all that we're living in the end times. Because we are seeing the imaginations, the, the vile wickedness that we hear on the news, that we hear some of these uh, news stories of the depravity that some of these, uh, these folks live in with, the, with regards to uh, immorality and, and their, their own personal purity. Uh, it's, it's vile, some of the things that go on. And the sad thing is, is to hear how many of them, uh, when, you, when you read the story or the article or you hear the news item on it, talks about the church that they attended or the, the, the ministry that they were involved with. And I tell you this, we cannot sit back as God's people and think that we are immune to such things. We've got to be careful of them. Paul warns us about this. He tells us to walk in the Spirit and not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is that desire going to be there? Is that temptation going to be there? Absolutely. It's going to fight against the Spirit. We've got to make sure that we are, are braced for it, that we are walking in the Spirit in such a way that we can gain victory in these areas. You say, Pastor, I have a hard time controlling my thoughts or my mind. I was dealing with a fellow a number of years ago that was having some issues with his thought life. And he said, what should I do? And I, I thought for uh, a while, and I spent some time and uh, praying about it. And I said, Lord, well, how am I going to help this guy? What can I give him from Scripture that will help us? And so uh, Psalm 119 came to mind. And, and what a great psalm that is. And uh, in verse 9 it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And I thought, well, if it works for a young man, it will work for an old man too. And uh, the psalmist says, By taking heed thereto according to thy word, with my whole heart... Have I sought thee? And I thought, you know, we, we as God's people, we walk with God. We have our Bible reading time. But I wonder how much really we seek for God with our whole heart. Do we saturate our hearts and our minds with the things of God? Do, do, we, do we fill it with Scripture? Do we work at memorizing it? Do we work at studying? Do we work at knowing it? I'll be real frank with you. There have been times in my life that there's been temptation come my way and I've gone to Scripture and I've read it. And I'll tell you this, it's hard to succumb to temptation when you're reading Scripture. It's just one of those things that you're like, this is like oil and water. It just doesn't mix. It doesn't work. Why? Because there are enemies one with the other. And the one that we, we tend to, to feed the most, the one that we give place to the most, is the one that's going to get the victory. You say, how do I get, uh, get uh, victory in the area of, uh, of physical purity in the day that we live, Pastor? Saturate yourself with the Word of God. Spend time reading it. Spend time studying it. Spend time in prayer with God. And when the temptations come, when the, the thoughts come into the mind, quote a verse of Scripture. Uh, call, a, call a Christian friend and tell him what God's done for you today. Find something to combat these things. Why? Because we want to, our desire is... Walk in the Spirit. Do we have liberty? Are we going to die and go to hell if we make that sin? No, we're not. we got liberty in that and that we're saved. But let's not use liberty as an occasion for the flesh. We've got to guard these things. We've got to walk in the Spirit, Paul says. So he deals with this in verse 19 with four specific things. Adultery, fornication, which again is an all-inclusive basically word of this issue. 
uncleanness, which is depravity. It's, it's the vileness of it. And the, the lasciviousness, the looseness, the lewdness of the things that take place in these things. And uh, so he gives these first four things. And now he's going to deal with some other issues. Can I encourage you in this? Just because Paul puts the emphasis on the spiritual immorality that was so, so, uh, so much at hand, that was easily, um, I believe the, the church was easily being led astray in, does not, does not diminish the importance of the rest of these either. All of them are considered to be walking after the lust of the flesh. All of them are at enmity with walking in the Spirit. All of them are at odds. All of them are warring against this. And so while we focus on the issue and emphasize the issue of spiritual purity, let's look at some other things here that he deals with in verse number 20. And again, these are things that a Christian... Someone who names the name of Christ can hold to and look at and say, I've got to be careful in these areas. I've got to ask God for victory in these areas. I've got to make sure that I'm fighting uh, and, and bringing into captivity my thoughts and my desires in these areas. And so he tells us in verse number 20, idolatry. Now, I don't know there's very many... I've been to a lot of your houses... I don't know that there's very many people in our church that have a big Buddha sitting up in their living room or uh, some kind of image. But I will say this, that idolatry goes on in the hearts of God's people far more than we think. Because anything that takes the place of God in our life in the area of importance and priority becomes an idol to us. We've got to be so careful of these things. It could become a, 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 a... a material possession that we have that takes that place. It could become a person or a relationship that takes that place. It could become the desire for uh, additional things. And by the way, that's where covetousness starts coming into, into play, when we start desiring things uh, that are not pertaining to the things of the Lord, and we, we, we long to have them, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to get them. We've got to be careful. Why? Because that will cause us to be idolatrous in our hearts and in our minds. These things are things that are just as important as the things that Paul mentioned with the area of purity and the issue of immorality. Verse number 20, he talks about witchcraft. Again, I don't know too many of you that had an animal sacrifice this weekend or did a seance or anything along those lines. But you know that the Bible refers to the fact that rebelliousness is as the sin of witchcraft. You say, well, am I practicing witchcraft? Well, I don't know. Are we rebellious? Well, against who? Against God. We know what God's Word says. Most of the messages that I preach to Christians are not new messages. Most of them we know. We've read it before. We've gone through Scripture. We've seen it with our own eyes. But we are in need to be encouraged and motivated and reminded of these things. Are there things that we say, I know God said it, but... (laughs) And the moment we have that kind of an attitude, we have been rebellious to what God says. It'd be one thing if it was a sin of ignorance. There are times the Bible says that in His justice, God will wink at that. But I will tell you this, when it is a a subject of us knowing 
what God's, uh, what God's desire is for our lives, knowing His, His Word, and we willingly, we say, I know it, but I'm going to do it anyway, we're rebellious. And Paul, uh, the Bible tells us that that's as the sin of witchcraft. That's as the sin of witchcraft. Now, uh, look with me again. He says in verse number 20, hatred. Hatred. Uh, again, this is a, a work of the flesh in our life. This is something that Satan tries to, to put seeds of in our lives. Uh, the truth is, we, when we have spiteful thoughts towards other people, I don't care if it's an unsaved person or a saved person, when we have uh, spiteful thoughts, we, we start to entertain hatred in our hearts. It shouldn't even be named among a Christian. When, when somebody looks at a Christian, they should never look at you and say, boy, that person sure hates this, this person over here. I, I was, as a kid, there were times where I would antagonize my sister. And uh, every once in a while, now she learned in an early, early, year not to, early years not to do this because mom would wash her mouth out with soap. But she'd look at me and she'd say, I hate you. I know as a kid, she meant something different than the Bible word hatred is. It didn't mean that she wished I was dead. Uh, it just meant that she was just frustrated with me. And uh, today I'm thankful that I have a wonderful uh, relationship with my sister, even though I used to antagonize her. I don't know why she loves me any more, uh, any more than she does now, uh, because I used to antagonize her mercilessly. But the word hatred is the idea of just seething, just under, under the surface, just angry at this person, and you want to see harm come to them. By the way, you ever, you ever mention something to someone else about somebody, and while it may sound innocent enough as it comes out of your mouth, the hard intent is to cause harm to that person, to cause somebody else to think ill of them. We often usually precede this statement or follow the statement with bless their heart. You know, we laugh and we chuckle. And it is funny because we do use bless your heart. But it's amazing how many times our heart gets the best of us, doesn't it? Somebody does us wrong, somebody hurts us, and our first reaction is, I want to get them back. I want them to pay for what they did to me. And if we're not careful, we will begin to have the seeds of hatred in our heart towards them. And while we may not outwardly express it because we want people to think we're better Christians than we are, the truth is God sees our hearts, doesn't He? And obviously this is an issue that Paul said was something that was a major problem. So much so that in verse number 15 he talks about this, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Obviously this church was having some issues in the area of hatred. I'm sure they were smiling. They were probably looking good when they came to church. They probably amen and nodded in the service and carried their Bibles and were in agreement with the preaching. But boy, that brother over there, boy, I tell you what. And we've, we've all had issues with that in our lives at some point or another anger that we felt towards someone else, a hatred that, that took place there. Strife, the idea again of, uh, you know, the Bible tells us this, only by, strive, uh, only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. You can mark it down when there is strife in there, it's because of our pride. When we begin to have arguments, we begin to have uh, issues. Now, I'm not talking about uh, standing for truth. I understand there are times we can argue the issue of truth. 
and I'm not talking about standing for truth. I'm talking about having to, having to be right all the time. Having to have my opinion known and accepted by others. And there gets to be a strife. There gets to be a discord there. He talks about seditions. And then we talk, he talks about uh, heresies and the fact that you just tell things that are untrue, things that are not right, things that are not biblical. And you, you propagate that. You try to begin to uh, tell folks about this. It's amazing to me how many experts on Scripture that do not believe in God misquote Scripture. You ever notice that? It's amazing to me that I've seen people that name the name of Christ when trying to prove their issue and their point misquote Scripture. I don't know how many times I've heard people say money is the root of all evil. It's not what the Bible says. And they'll use that for an argument. I mean, they will, they will debate that and they'll go... And I'm just using that as an example. But how oftentimes we teach heresy. Can I encourage you in this? Some of us done ignorantly, and I understand that. There's times we can be wrong on Scripture and not realize we're wrong. But there are times we know better. And we still will pull a verse of Scripture to try to prove our point, And we will use it as heresy. We've got to be careful of these things. Paul says this is the work of the flesh. This is the lust of the flesh. Verse number 20, uh, uh, verse number, uh, 20 he talks about idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, variance. Uh, I forgot some of these. Uh, variance. Uh, he talks about emulations. Uh, emulations is, is a desire to be better than somebody else for the purpose of gaining praise for yourself. Uh, that, that drive, almost like a competitive idea that, boy, I'm a better Christian than they are and I'm going to prove it to everybody. And so you go out here and your desire is not to become more Christ-like. Your desire is to become better than that person over there. So that men will look at you and laud you and praise you. And I tell you, that's an emulation. Our desire to live holy, our desire to live right ought not to be so I can be better than so-and-so in the church. Our desire to live holy ought not to be so that we can get the approval of the brethren. Our desire to live holy ought to be because we want to please Him. That is my only motivation in serving and living holy. Trying to be right. So we've got to be careful of emulations. He talks about wrath. He talks about strife, seditions, heresies. Verse 21, envies. Envies. We've got to be careful. How much... Uh, <laughs> this to me is amazing. How many times we envy... Um, when that person that uh, uh, that uh, gets a brand new car, uh, you know, Miss Penny gets one like every three weeks. You know, she gets a new one every three weeks. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, we'll say, "Boy, I wish I could be like that." And, and we begin to envy. Can I tell you this? There's great there's great peace in a Christian's life when we gain contentment with what God gives to us, and we're able to rejoice in what God does for others. That's the Christian spirit about. That's that's walking in the spirit, trusting that God has His perfect will going on in your life. God has His perfect will going on in their life, and what He chooses to give you, what He chooses to give them, are both within His will. There's great great satisfaction in that. We've got to be careful of envies, murders, murders. Again, uh, I don't know too many of us in here that have murdered anybody. But the Bible talks about the fact that when we hate somebody, it's almost as bad as murdering somebody. When we uh, get to the place where we just have that seething, burning desire inside our hearts. We've got to be careful of those things. Drunkenness. 
We should not have drunkenness. In fact, the Bible tells us not only are we not to be drunk with wine, but we ought to be filled with the Spirit. We ought to allow the Spirit to control us more than wine can control a drunken man. There ought to be that yieldedness to the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, revelings, getting out here and uh, being mischievous and, and uh, uh, just going in, into uh, the debauchery of sin and partying and uh, having these types of things go on in our life. And, and then as if those were not specific enough, Paul gives all of these and then he uses this phrase, and such like. So some of you may be sitting there saying, Phew, I made it through the list, I don't have one of those. <laughs> but I do have this one over here. Uh, Paul deals with it, doesn't he? Paul gives some help not to he's not he's not talking he's not using this list to teach lost people and sinners uh, what they should be doing. He's coming to the church. There were some issues in the church, and Paul says we've got to make sure these things don't happen in the church. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we will begin to think. I am above those things. I'm a child of God. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God enables us to walk in the Spirit. I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit helps to uh, lead and guide and direct our steps. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I can have His Word to know what His will is for my life. I can read it and know its Word and know its pages. I'm thankful for that. But that does not make us immune. There is a battle going on for your heart and your mind. And it is as strong on you as it is any lost person. And we've got to be so careful in these areas in our Christian lives that we make sure that we are on guard of these things. We don't allow them to have a part in our life. And the moment we even see a shadow of it happening in our lives, we need to deal with it. We need to get it right. Can I encourage you in this? This would be a great idea, and I think even there's some uh, biblical wisdom in this. It would not hurt for you to find a brother or sister in Christ that you trust, who you know walks with God and prays, and say, listen, if you ever see me drifting this way, I need you to come and tell me. Because the truth is, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. There are times that we can deceive ourselves into thinking, I'm okay, but somebody else may see it. And it would do us well to say, I would like to have another brother or sister in Christ that I can have, that I can trust, that will come to me in the right spirit and with love and say, Brother, you're slipping in this area. You need some help. We need to help. We need to pray about this. Let's get this matter settled. I think it's something we ought to come to God with daily and ask Him for His help. Lord, I need Your help in this. I don't want to walk after the lust of the flesh. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to have this as a part of my life. We're going to be bombarded with them. We've got to be careful we don't become spotted by them. We've got to be careful that we don't take part in them. And we're only going to do that as we have God's help. As we pray and encourage and edify one another. I think that's one of the great, wonderful, great things about a church and the fellowship that we have is it gives a level of accountability it allows us to, as brothers and sisters who love one another, who are part of a family here, to be able to come to one another and say, I think there's an issue here that we need to look at and deal with. And it's done in love. It's not done in criticism. 
It's not done because we're mad or we want to get 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 you. You know, we. It's because we see something that, but for the grace of God, we might be dealing with, and we would hope someone would come to us and help us with it. And that's the right spirit to come with them at. So I hope that will be a help to us. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to deal with some of the fruit of the Spirit as well. I know some of you already know it. You can quote it backwards, forwards, inside and out. But the truth is we need to be reminded of some of them. And so, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll deal with those as well. All right? Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it. And, uh, Lord, these are issues that uh, we need to we need to know we need to deal with in our lives. We need to be aware of them. We need to be on guard for them. And Father, I pray that You would give us the strength, give us the convictions of Your Holy Spirit, the pricking of our hearts, as it is necessary to remind us to open our eyes to the areas that we struggle with in these things that are referred to as the lust of the flesh. Lord, may we put them aside. May we walk in the Spirit May daily You would help us and encourage us to become more like You and less like the world. And Father, we do ask that You would help us as we go through our week this week to guide and direct our steps. Help us to have opportunity this week to share the Gospel with someone. In Jesus' name we pray. Dismiss us with Your blessings. Amen.